Today on episode 112 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, it's time for a backtrack. So you know that thing we discussed about story? Never mind, forget I said anything. <laughs> WWE has proven that no, no, random matches are the way to go. No story, forget story, never had stories, no idea what you're talking about. More on that on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Anti-story Carlos, and that's David. Notice, notice I, uh, I think we might keep it now. Why yeah, we may, we may as well. Listen, the Sheik has already decreed you. He, he basically he, he basically declared you should just legally change your name to DevAid. I Maybe I will, right? I mean, what, once the Iron Sheik Christians you that, I mean, you can't really argue with it. Like, honestly, you just tell them that and then like, ah, we'll put the paperwork through immediately. Done. Done. Yeah, they, you just call them up. Uh, Iron Sheik says my name's this now. Done. Done. That's beautiful. I like it. Uh, at least it resolves our too many Daves. DevAid doesn't count anymore. That's, that's, a that's a different thing entirely. There's one less Dave. Now, now we, we've resolved some of the log jam. We can proceed going forward. Um, so real quick. So let me kind of explain. So this one is going to be a little bit more of an out-of-time episode. I am going to refer to a couple of things directly related to some of the stuff that WWE has done recently. And uh, part of the, the conversation we had the other, the other week with uh, the whole AEW thing and like how we want to see them build and develop some stories, the general principle is still true. But WWE has proven that sometimes not less is more sometimes nothing is more sometimes negative is more just stop and i'll give you a couple of different examples and we'll kind of talk through them and kind of uh, work on it so i don't watch most of WWE's programming but i do keep an eye it's one of those things where i still want to understand what's going on i still want to have a general understanding and if there's a storyline or something that may be at least of some interest you know i'll catch a clip or i'll watch you know a segment of the match or whatever the case may be so that i'm at least up up to date on what's going on mm -hmm. now the big criti the critique we had with AEW is that a lot of times they'll just put some matches together. But AEW does have a bit of a cop-out in the sense that you do have a ranking system. So much like UFC can pair these people up, sometimes it's like, well, this person and this person are kind of similarly in the rankings. We can put a match together because we're trying to fill, we're still trying to book a television show. Like at the end of the day, we're still trying to fill a certain amount. Not everybody can have an ongoing storyline. Otherwise, like there's too many moving parts. The other thing is that Tony Khan over time will have to start delegating stuff which i which i made reference to because it will get too complicated to keep track of an a story a b story a c story and a d story over two shows it's too much for any human being to do it's unfair um so i think he's gonna have to learn that lesson and once he does that it will help and it'll make things a lot easier but that being said at least some people do have some storylines and regardless of what we can say at least most of the storylines have some kind of a logical progression and things do move in a linear fashion our good friends at WWE, they put a special emphasis on character. And I made fun of back then, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago where Becky Lynch talked about how, you know, story is the thing, you know, and not Canadian destroyers. And I was like, you know what, Becky, maybe we should do more Canadian destroyers because your storyline sucks. And so do a couple of other ones. And allow me to explain why. So first, I'm going to use this one before I get to the Becky Lynch one. Let's use our, let's use our friend Alexa Bliss because she has an ongoing long term storyline. Because you can actually go back. We just had the Extreme Rules pay-per-view recently. And the Extreme Rules pay-per-view prior to that is where they introduced the idea of Alexa Bliss being a premonition or a hallucination as part of the Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman feud at the time. Both guys no longer with the company, by the way. Mm -hmm. But the point is, as part of this feud, um, she was a hallucination as Sister Abigail. So Sister Abigail was calling to Braun Strowman and it became, uh, and it turned out it was Alexa Bliss or a vision of Alexa Bliss. Right. Yep. 
Within a couple of months, she would become associated with The Fiend. They had a storyline. By the way, this is the long-term storyline. This went on for months. The development of her with The Fiend and then her with Bray Wyatt and kind of associated the two of them. And then eventually Bray Wyatt was gone. She turned on Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. They did this whole thing. Bray Wyatt ended up getting, you know, um, you know cut. And um, we'll see what his fate and his future is going forward. But regardless... The Alexa Bliss character then continued on without Bray Wyatt and incorporated the doll Lily and this whole stupidity with that. Yeah. Regardless, though, the idea here, if we cut it down to its simplest form without all the necess- unnecessary detail, you don't need to watch all this. I gave you the brief synopsis, but all you need to understand is that effectively Alexa Bliss is some combination of either possessed or a witch or something. The point is there's some supernatural powers involved. Yeah, some, in some kind of supernatural something is going on. Yeah, that, that's the best we can do. We don't know the nature of it anymore because it's gotten so convoluted. I'm actually confused. I actually don't understand what the point is other than she has powers. That's the important part. She has powers. Which she doesn't use to win in the ring. I, I'm about to get to that. The point is that her powers and Lily's powers are so mighty. If you recall, uh, we discussed this because we made fun of it, was that at one point the doll was like terrorizing Shayna Baszler. And that led to nothing. Shayna Baszler's still out and about doing her thing. Apparently, that's not a thing. But much like Bray Wyatt before her, you've got all these crazy, spooky powers. And how ironic that we're in October, and right now she's going to be off, off, you know, off for a little while. But a spooky, scary time that literally never leads to winning anything that matters. When it, when it comes down to something important or a championship or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't help. Uh, so supernatural spookiness is not undefeated. It is winless in relevant matches in WWE. On a related note, Demon Finn Balor, who he brought back because that was originally a thing a couple of years ago. This is the first two years since he brought back this whole Fiend character, which is another supernatural, spooky, whatever. Lost to Roman Reigns because, and this is exactly what happened, he was down and then all of a sudden they decided to do some theatrics. They put on red lights, they played his theme song, and then he convulsed and that restored the demon. This is all during the Roman Reigns match for the title. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then that restores him. And then he gets up on the top rope to go do the coup de gras and he's about to win. And the the rope breaks and he falls down and he's like clutching his knee. He's a demon who's like, ow, my knee. Even though he got like resurrected three seconds ago. Did I mention spooky things in WWE mean nothing? Supernatural powers mean nothing. The demon is garbage. You know why? Because he lost because, ow, my knee. And then Roman Reigns beats him. Now, from a practical standpoint, I understand. The money matches him and Brock Lesnar. I understand this was, you know, you're buying some time. But you do realize that the whole then thing... Don't bring the, the demon back. That's my point. My point is the demon originally was this alter ego for Finn Balor who would actually win. We just established that he, he, he was undone by a top rope. After being resurrected earlier in the match, by the way, a second ago, you, you established that he could be resurrected from a horrific fall or something. And now the top rope did him in, ow, my knee. <sighs> during the same match. The, during the same match. Maybe he should have just tried to give him a high knee. Clearly. But here's the thing. So two different versions, both idiotic. We've proven that supernatural powers are worthless in WWE. They're garbage. The only person who's ever successfully used supernatural powers is The Undertaker and Kane, probably. That's it. Nobody else. Papa Shango did not elevate past a certain point. Spooky, scary powers do not help you. They don't. And the important thing, so you've got Finn Balor, whose demon needs to be shelved. you got Alexa Bliss, who's a witch or something, and needs to go back to Hogwarts and learn how to use her powers properly, because right now it's bullshit. It doesn't work. Like, you got powers. You would think, like, the one thing you're going to use them to do is win a match. But just to be clear, two things. Both of these wrestlers that I just talked about, Alexa Bliss and Finn Balor, both have been champions without powers. 
Alexa Bliss is like a five-time women's champion. She was able to win before she got spooky powers. She actually won multiple championships. She was the first woman to have a SmackDown and a Raw Women's Championship. When they did the brand split, she was the first one to win both of those damn belts. So apparently she knew how to win before, but now with spooky power, she sucks. This is stupid. This is really dumb. But it's a long-term storyline. No, garbage, trash. Where does it take you, right? It's... They spent months on this, building up this whole backstory. Alexa's play, like they built sets for this garbage. They came up with a doll that they sell in the store. They made merch. It's all trash, all trash. Now, uh, what did it, now one of the things that you put in the message is that you kind of said it, you know, I hope tongue in cheek, I don't know, but you said, you know, with AW's rating not being as high as you kind of thought, by the way, rating expectations for fans, just to be clear, are pointless. And I'll explain afterwards, after I finish with my story rant, because I want to finish that first. But ratings things are really a difficult thing to do because there are factors outside of that. And I will touch on that in a moment. But the point is, WWE did all this shit. They hotshotted a thing where Big E cashed in his money in the bank, became champion. People like Big E. He's a a great guy, great character. People like him. Um, The ratings were down from the previous week. It didn't matter. And they let everybody know that he was going to cash. It didn't mean a damn thing. It doesn't matter. SmackDown, you just came off this big thing. You had Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, all these big things. By the way, Roman Reigns and all that has had an ongoing storyline with Paul Heyman. Will Paul Heyman sign with Brock Lesnar? Will he side with Roman Reigns? They've got a story, a long-term story that builds in a long Maybe that's the only compelling thing that they've got right now. And the rating went down. No one cares. No one cares. It doesn't matter. By the way, our good friend Becky Lynch now. I, I, I didn't forget about you, Becky. Don't worry. I didn't forget about you. Okay, so... They finally had the match for Bianca Belair. It didn't last 30 seconds. It should have, but it didn't. Bianca Belair was about to defeat Becky Lynch, thereby rendering this entire garbage pointless. More pointless than Lily. More pointless than Spooky Powers. But don't worry. We got a trump card. Nobody's technically going to lose this match because we have a returning Sasha Banks. Oh, my God. The returning Sasha Banks. Are you ready for it, though? Let, let, let's make sure we, we, we show the whole thing properly. So she returns. Is she going to attack Bianca Belair because she's the one who lost the title? Is she going to attack Becky Lynch? She attacks both of them. But remember, everyone in WWE is a moron. I've said this before. Everyone in WWE is an idiot. Because you see, Sasha Banks might want to get revenge on Bianca Belair. That would explain why she attacked her. But she also attacked Becky Lynch, which means she wants the title. Because she didn't have a feud going on with Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has been off you know, on maternity leave for a year. So there's nothing really going on between them, but she apparently wants a title. So be, Sasha Banks being the genius, being using be, brilliant WWE logic, beautiful WWE logic, what she decides to do is attack them both, thereby establishing the possibility of a triple threat match. Now, Dave, just out of curiosity, you, you have been out of wrestling for a long time, but you started to get back into it. But as a, um, as a person understanding the wrestling logic side of it, just out of curiosity, do you think it's easier to beat one person or two? One, obviously. Yeah. So if you're going to attack somebody, would it not behoove you to wait until they finish beating each other up? One of them wins and then attack the champion. Makes sense. Would that not make more sense? Correct. That would be logical. But that is not what she did. She did the opposite of that. She literally set up a scenario where, by the way, from WB's perspective, I get it. They didn't want either one of them to take the pin for the reasons I outlined before. But you made... Becky Lynch looked worse than you did the first time. And you proved that Bianca Belair couldn't finish her off quickly either. And you still, you created the stalemate and now you shoehorn Sasha Bank in the middle of it. So it's like, 
okay, so are you going to flip the championship only a couple of weeks after you gave it in SummerSlam to Becky Lynch, which would be stupid, but you can't have Sasha Banks then lose. She did this whole pomp and circumstance to come back and attack them both. It would be bad if she lost. By the way, Bianca Belair has still not been able to win her title back in this attempt. So now she's going to have to have another match. But she says an excuse if she... Nobody looks good out of this. All of them look bad. So why should I care? It's stupid. It's all stupid. Yeah, it is. It is. But don't worry, it has a story. It didn't have Canadian stories. So great, thanks. That, I'm glad. I'm, I'm very compelled. This is wonderful. You're all idiots. You, you did. This was easy. Like... Sasha Banks, attack the winner. Which whoever wins, attack them. Wait until they're finished and then attack them. Yeah. That's it. So you had to do. But that means somebody has to take the pin, so they don't want to do that. Well, great. Now you've got a potential triple threat program that doesn't mean a damn thing because Sasha Banks is an idiot. Bianca Belair is incompetent. And Becky is now sucks. She got worse between the first match and the second. Now she's now she's a coward. The first time there, she went and challenged the champion at SummerSlam, no problem. And now she's a coward who's running away from Bianca Belair. Why? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. None of it, it makes it, any it, sense. It, no. Because clearly creative is not at their best. Yeah. They're changing it from week to week, though. You're, you're taking the same character and you're making them, you're basically rewriting the rules as you go. And none of it makes any sense. So yeah, but that's... would you rather? I mean, at least there is, supposedly there is some semblance of story there you know, in the things that you've talked about, right? There is the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman storyline. Mm-hmm. That is a storyline. There is still kind of sort of uh, Alexa Bliss storyline. Becky Lynch kind of sort of almost has a storyline. Uh-huh. All right. Um, if I Now, if I bring this, I should have brought this up ahead of time because I did not watch Rampage this week. So I'm, I, didn't I, get, I didn't get around to it. I was, uh, I was a little right. late. Plus, I was doing my I was doing my other. I did watch the um, Brian Danielson. Wait, that, oh, let's go there. What is Brian Danielson's storyline? Right, Brian, Dan- Brian Danielson is just gonna... the elite, so he's just going to pick them off one by one. Is that the story? Yeah. Is he he faced uh, Nick Jackson, I believe. Mm-hmm. I could yep. be wrong. I, might have, I watched that uh, that match. That's the only one I saw. Yeah, well, a pretty good match, right? Again, but where does it you know where does it lead to? Or Sammy Guevara now defeating Miro. Like, what's really the storyline there on Wednesday night, right? I mean, well, okay, so for Sammy Guevara, it's easier. So, the Sammy Guevara is easier the two because initially, um, you have to remember, Miro's already been a dominant champion for a while. Yes, it's, he's already had a really good run as champion, so you were going to have to knock him off with somebody. But uh, basically, Sammy Guevara went in there to kind of defend his buddy, Fergo del Sol, who got crushed by Miro twice. So, yeah. part of the deal was that he went in. And you have a guy who already has been winning matches, Sammy Guevara. But Sammy Guevara hadn't specifically gone out for that title up until that moment, but he already had a good win-loss record to be like, okay, you know what? I want you, and I'm not coming out of the blue here in the sense that um, through the built-in ranking system they have, he, he's one of the top contenders for that title. You can challenge him based on that. Plus, you beat up my friend, so you know what? Screw you. I'm going to take your title. That's my way of getting back at you. Plus, he did a promo where he specifically said that I'm going to beat you for your title, and then I'm buying Fuego del Sol a car. Yes, because did, because he I lost. Did, his I, did, I did see that. I did see that. So basically, you're avenging your friend, and then I'm I'm sticking it to you double because I'm taking your champion because you make such a big deal about being God's champion in the whole. So you know what? This is me getting back at you. Plus, he had been winning matches up until that point, and he needed something. To, you needed to have flip it because now Miro had been champion long enough, where now Miro can then spin off into a feud with somebody else, or go into the war into the world title hunt. Because now he's built up a good run here of championship, 
and he can do some stuff in the meantime. So you can, that one's easier. Uh, the Brent Danielson one though, isn't too complicated because he's new at the company. You're taking advantage of super matches. Right now, the elite needs a foil because right now you can have, because when Brian Danielson was doing the thing, when he was challenging Kenny Omega, he was being backed up by Christian Cage and those guys as well, who have been kind of semi-feuding with the elite as well. And Frankie Kazarian and all that, because Frankie Kazarian is the elite hunter. That's kind of, his deal is that he hates the elite in general. So anybody who is standing up to them, he's there. Uh, Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus are having their issues with the Young Bucks and with Adam Cole, because they had the match with Adam Cole and Jungle Boy and everything. So it's one of those things where um, you're going to have a little bit of that. You're going to basically have some kind of semi-faction warfare, but they're not an official faction. They're just kind of teaming up against the elite to kind of be there as foils. And you're getting some matches in the middle. But the thing is, um, and this is kind of my main overriding point. Um, WWE tried to create stories, but the stories don't make any sense. Creating a story just for the sake of, what a story do you, like, let's forget everything. Let's scrap what's happened so far. Brandon Anderson comes in. What is he going to do? What do you want him to do? Like, theoretically, you could do whatever. He just came in. He made the big, you got the big reaction. He's here. You can set up any kind of matches you want. Do you want to jump to straight to the Kenny Omega thing? Do you want to set up towards that down the road? We've also got Hangman Page there who had a thing going on with Kenny Omega who might be coming in back soon. So, like, where do you position then him to do something? Because you, you need him to do something. And yeah. he's, he's capable of wrestling, and you can have him out there having matches. You got to have, have some matches before any real title aspirations. So what are you doing? I don't know. I just think I think you've kind of thrown him into the... Like, I mean, it's weird because... Yes, he is a name. Yes, he is an established wrestler. Yes, he's good. But I don't know if I mean Ken, with the Kenny Omega match is a great match. I'm just not sure that's a. I want to. I want to build to that. Well, the thing that was the first match builds to the second match. The point is he didn't win the first match. the The idea here is the two put on a wrestling clinic. They go time limit draw. Kenny Omega can claim correctly, you didn't beat me, so you're not getting a rematch. And this is the process of Brian Danielson being like, I am going to get a rematch. I'm just going to have to beat up all your friends then until we get there. All right. That buys you time. You, I mean, this is, look, that's a standard can, wrestling trope, Dave. That has been used sure. so many times with factions. For sure. They can build, in, and it, I guess maybe this is the best example to use because it can, it has a, it's not there yet, but it could potentially build into it. You got to start with step one. Step one is right? you, did, you right. did the initial clash. You established that they can compete at the same level. Because people knew, but they had never seen them lock right. horns. In let's, a, in let's, a, let's, let's, let's take it a different way, Carlos. Let's change up the trajectory here a little bit. All right. Go ahead. What storylines are currently taking place in AEW that you fully understand? That are that are ongoing right now, that haven't ended? Storylines that are ongoing in AEW that I fully understand? Yeah. Because, like, realistically, like, the Sammy Guerrero Miro thing, well, that kind of just ended before the soul thing probably just ended. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's Sammy Guevara's okay. job now to go forward with his uh, with Brian Danielson versus the Elite. Fine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you have the Orange Cassidy versus HFO kind of thing going on. Yep. Okay, fine. Um, do you really have much of anything else? I guess you have the um, well, American Top Team, and that that feud and and wherever that potentially goes is, is something that potentially could be interesting. Yeah. Right, but is like Darby Allen and Sting and involved in anything really interesting right now? I would say uh, no. Darby Allen. Darby Allen just confronted MJF on the other, the other, the other show. Oh, that is true, right? But yeah. okay, yeah. But I mean, but for example, okay, with MJF, yeah, you had the match against Pillman, mm-hmm. which is an okay match. Yeah, he had a couple of matches with Pillman, but yeah. But 
Why? MJ, so, so Dave, you got to remember, you were out of wrestling for a long time. MJF operates as an old school heel. What that means is he basically picks fights with the entire roster. The idea you have to, ha- he ha- basically, by being a prick, he picks fights with the entire roster. The idea being you always have him in a, the million dollar man used to do this. Like back at, if you go old school, the million dollar man would literally just walk around being a jerk. Someone would get fed up with it and be like, hey, stop doing that garbage you're doing. And then they would feud for a couple of months and then he'd rotate to the next one, rotate. The million dollar belt existed hey, because he was, the thing, let, me, let me finish, let me finish, okay. let me finish. The million dollar belt came into being and Vir- to Virgil's you know, good fortune. The million dollar belt came into being because the million dollar man couldn't win the world title, even though he was close, like they were gonna do that. It just, they changed their mind at the last minute. But this was a way of him getting around that. He goes, you know what? I can't seem to get this belt around my waist. So I make my own. So, and I'm going to treat it like a prestigious championship. Even though, and actually, he started to defend it after a while. So they turned it into like a secondary title mm-hmm. randomly. But he was able to get that belt over as almost like, a, almost like a legitimate championship there for a run. The point is, the Million Dollar Man is so arrogant, he decided to create his own belt. And he goes, forget it. My belt is the real belt then. Which is a classic old school heel way of doing things. MJF, though, is operating in that space. Remember, MJF is 24. The, the reality is they're looking at him and going like, because... Assuming you wanted to put him into world title picture right now, let's pretend. And by the way, Darby Allen touched on this, which by the way, was a good move on his part during his promo. He said, well, you're that much better than me. He's basically alluding to, it's like, you're saying that much better than me. He's like, but I'm the one who's actually won a championship. So it was, so it was like the, it was like a little burn on him acknowledging that in the time he's been there, he's done all this stuff, but you haven't been able to secure a championship yet. So there's two things with MJF. It's him being a general prick. You got these different feuds he's doing. Mm-hmm. At some point, he will likely be in the title feud, but right now he doesn't make any sense. You're not going to put him with Kenny Omega. That doesn't make any sense. You need the title to switch hands to somebody like an Adam Hangman Page, and then you could do an MJF Adam Page feud. That would make sense. Brian Danielson is not getting the world title at any point soon. He may down the road because right now he's too new. You can put him in matches and do things with him, but he's not there yet. That's not his point at this stage. By the way, you want to talk about your storyline, Long-term storyline. MJF and Wardlow are going to clash at some point. The help always eventually turns on him because Just through as, the course of as, months, as Rebel and Jamie Hader are going to eventually feud with Baker. They will, but the thing is, hey, Jamie Hader just got there with that Rebel. Rebel's been there for a long time, being abused as the help, and also they kind of go hot and cold with that. So Rebel may stick around. Jamie Hader though may do that, but Jamie Hader still newer. The seeds of the Wardlow turn are there almost a year back. They, they started putting the seeds there. There have been a million times where they've done the promo and Wardlow is kind of mildly annoyed with MJF, but it's very subtle. They're there in the promos over the last year. A couple of times recently during the Pillman feud, he, he, he went and laid into Wardlow during a bit. He goes, you know, you're going to help me like you helped me during that other one. He still will occasionally like take shots at, at Wardlow, but it's not all the time. It's not every single week. The idea is you plant the seed slowly on them because at some point, Wardlow, they're going to be ready to send him off as a singles wrestler. Well, in order to be a singles wrestler, that means you got to be your own guy. We're going to detach you because yeah. Wardlow already looks like a guy who can be the dude. Oh, but right sure. now, as the muscle, you keep him busy as the muscle until you're ready to do the clash. He's got to go and beat the crap out of MJF. That'll be coming. It'll be satisfying. Yeah, but it, but it's in the it's in the back burner. But it's sitting there every time you see Wardlow. And Wardlow gives him like a little side eye during a promo or something. They're still touching on that every single couple of weeks. You'll see it from time to time. You got to look for it, but it's there. He'll, he'll look at him sometimes a little bit like side eye. 
So they are doing, the thing is, unfortunately, it's not like um, you have enough TV to be able to do a lot of things. You don't have enough TV to be able to like overly like, will he turn? You, you got, you, you got, you got, you can't be that overt about it. You got to do the little side eye thing. You got to be like, the people who are watching is like, I've been seeing, once it happens, it'll be like, yeah, I can see that. Wait, remember when he said that in that promo? Remember when he did that thing in that promo? And it's like, there's been a slow escalation to it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I get your point, but you yeah, can't well, just well, throw something you in there. said, though, in, in, your, in your explanation there, in your defense there, was, well, a million dollar man would pick on somebody, and then you'd feud with him for a couple months, and then you move on to the next one. Yep. We don't even get that. We get, like, here's a match, and now I'm on to the next one. Like, MJF Jericho, yes, that was good, and that was a long-term storyline, and that, yep. that worked out very nicely. You're not going to get months anymore. Remember, remember when Million Dollar Man was doing that, you had four pay-per-views a year. You didn't have as many specials. Uh, let me give you a different example, just from the past, same era, same era, mm -hmm. just so of comparison. The turn between the time that Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan were the mega powers, yep. and when they clashed at WrestleMania Five, was over a year. It took a year to develop that. Macho Man was doing side eyes at Hogan for a year as champion. Macho Man won WrestleMania Four with Hulk Hogan's help, but they built on that to get to WrestleMania Five. It took him a full calendar year. In the social media age, nobody has that kind of patience. Nobody. You can't. You can't you get. You can't do it. It's more product of this generation. That's yes, we don't. Like we don't. Eighteen to whatever, like thirty-six, say. Yeah, but here's uh, but a lot of it, but also don't forget something. If when I go back to WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5, just to the best of your ability, I have the answer for you, but just for the, for the sake of argument. Um, what was the weekly TV show? What, the, the wrestling weekly TV show? Mm -hmm. with, uh, this is WBF. Yeah, this is WBF in that time. Yeah, was it was Saturday, Saturday Night's main event? Nope. Saturday Night's main event was a special. They would do that every couple of months. It was a made-for-TV special. It wasn't every week. Was it Superstars? It was Superstars. And that was in syndication. That was pre-taped from the arena. They would tape stuff from house shows. And it was Bret Hart against, you know, the Brooklyn Brawler. And, you know, the Repo Man versus... When Nitro came out, they would have name guy face name guy. One important thing, maybe this will maybe help as well. Bring it back into modern day. So remember, they don't have a weekly show. They do... But it's like random matches. It's the Bushwhackers versus so and so. It was never like, and there was really no cohesion. They'd have a segment or two that would maybe lead into a story, but barely. There were actually barely any stories other than basically a handful. Hogan basically was the only one on the card who got a story most of the time. Different era, but that's that's the era I grew up in. That's the era you grew up in. But we don't remember that. It's like actually Hogan's basically the only one who had a story. Everybody else was just like aimlessly wandering the wilderness of WWF for years. Nobody paid attention. Nobody cared. Um, in today's though, when we have weekly episodic television, so you're, you're tr you have to. It's actually trickier because yeah, we have weekly episodic, but it's like okay, you want to try to weave some stuff in. Some stuff has to be slow. Some stuff can be faster. Some stuff has to be a couple of matches and that's it. We move on. Other stuff has to be because people don't have patience. You want to do the longer term. Like I said, the Wardlow thing is a slow burn. You're doing that one slowly. It's there, but it's in the background. You're not paying attention to it. It's right. in the back. Right. This other one is in your face, and it's like happening week by week. But you have to have these different speeds to do it properly. But the problem that you run into is that when you're trying to book the shows like this, 
People don't have the patience. They want something now. But you got all these people on the roster that you could theoretically do something with. They all want a story. Mm-hmm. If you ask them, they're like, oh, can I have it? It's like, so what do you want? Like, what's the simplest way for me to get you from point A to point B? But a lot of times it's like, okay, so in order to come up with a story for this to go, I have to come up with a justification for the two of you to hate each other. When up until this point, you've had no connection or no particular reason to hate each other. I got to manufacture something. That's why I say sometimes you know, the MJF character is easy because he could just be a jerk to anybody. And there's your justification for sure. But it's not like a blood feud. It's yeah. like I insulted your mother. <laughs> that's may not necessarily lead into a long-term blood feud, especially with no particular stakes other than I want to beat you up. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't have the sustained with Jericho. You had him join the inner circle, betray the inner circle, make his own faction to face the inner circle. It makes it easier to drag it out because you've also got the individual components, right? Sammy Guevara can feud with Sean Spears. You know, the two tag teams can feud with each other. So you can actually drag it out. And you were able to get segment after segment like that. It's, that's not always easy to do. By the way, there were no world champions involved in that. You were able to have this whole thing going on. Nobody was a world champion. Nobody actually had a belt. But it's rare that you can pull that off. Usually somebody has to be the champion of this. The elite right now is trying to do that where you've got one champion right now. The tag team champions lost their belts. You've got Gallows and Anderson who kind of hang out, but they parade around with the impact belts, even though they're on AEW, which is always very amusing to me. Um, but you've always got that ability to pull out some of these folks. We'll see how some of it plays out. The only thing I don't want is I don't want you to randomly try to manufacture something. With the Britt Baker thing, the long term is Thunder Rosa. How we get from point A to point B is key. I don't know who the next one is, but I will throw something out at you and bear this in mind. All right. Sheeta is promoted for potentially be getting her 50th win. So she's back on TV. She's been wrestling on Dark and Elevation. They've been keeping her busy, racking up wins quietly in the background. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden they're going to put her back on Dynamite randomly. It's like, oh, why is she on Dynamite? Well, actually, she's got 49 wins. She's approaching being the first person on the roster to have 50 wins, period. That's actually kind of interesting. Oh, by the way, who's she facing? Oh, the returning Serena Deeb who at least has some credibility. And she was the NWA women's champion. And she had a bunch of really good men before she had an injury. So right. she was off, but you get a decent opponent. If she gets her 50th win, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, why isn't she a contender for the title? Actually she is. So it might be oh, your excuse what? to, it might be your excuse because you give her a milestone win on TV where more people are paying attention. Suddenly you bring it to her attention. It's like, actually, where's she sitting on the rankings? Oh, she's right there. Right at the top of the rankings. Hey, Britt Baker. And then, and then Thunder Rose is waiting in the wings because right now she's finishing off a thing with Jade and Nyla Rose. They're going to have a three-way. Yep. Well, after she's done with that business, then you can set her up to then, to then have the Britt Baker thing here coming up. So the, I may still get my sequencing. It's like the pieces are starting to fall into place. At least Tony Khan's listening to me. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. The thing is, you remember, uh, whenever you come, you, you're, you're coming from a theater background, don't forget. Professional wrestling is a lot simpler. Professional wrestling is a simulation of a fighting company. They're basically, they're basically fake UFC. Well, when it's UFC and one of the Fertitta brothers makes a match, why is so-and-so and so-and-so doing? Well, that guy's ranked number four, that guy's ranked number five. Or maybe that fighting style is exciting and that fighting style is exciting. Maybe they build up to an animosity as we go, but at first it's just a match. You're, you're, you're brought in because, oh, I love that. I, I watched this person win their last three. They were awesome. Hey, this guy's kind of interesting. He's had a pretty good run lately. Put them together. You got you to then develop it as you go. But sometimes you just throw people together. That's in, in real fighting. That happens all the time. In boxing, that happens all the time. 
just because of rankings. Having a ranking system that helps you with that, it gives you the basic justification underlying. Because not everybody can just hate everybody because they ran into each other in catering. That's the WWE style. Wait a minute, you took the last potato. That's it, we're fighting. I've seen that, I've actually seen that storyline. That has in fact played out. That's brutal. That's what I'm getting at. Like, WWE, uh, you know, cites itself with this big storyline thing. It's like, dude, getting the last potato in catering is the lamest reason for a feud that you could possibly come up with. It's not lamer than a killer doll that is no good. <laughs> you know, hor- super spooky powers that never work. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's that's why I say like I get I got your point, but I wanted to take some time here to give a billion to give a bunch of examples. It's like, um, this has always been a struggle. We only remember the really good ones. The Austin McMahon thing is really rare. That's the reason why it's actually very difficult. The initial buildup of the NWO that's actually really hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's a slow burn. It takes. Well, and and for something like that to work, like certain things have to happen. You can't just manufacture it totally. Yeah. Yet some other things have to happen to put that in place where you can manufacture. And do the do the comparison. Like think about when the NWO started. The first segment was Scott Hall showing up, cutting a promo, still talking with the Razor Ramon accent. Yep. But all he said was, he he couldn't refer to Razor Ramon. He couldn't say any of that. He couldn't say he was Razor Ramon. All he said, if you go back and check out the promo, all he said was, "You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here." And that was the gist of the. So. So you're like, oh, why is he here? Blah, blah, blah. And the announcers are playing it up like it. And then he comes back the following week. And then he keeps hanging out, hanging around. And they're like, what are you doing here? What's your business? What, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Are you working for the other company? He never says that. And eventually he says, oh, I'm going to bring my friend. It walks in Kevin Nash. Why is he here? What's going on? It it took weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but and it was then like, they have the mat with the third man. Yeah, it, but, it, but it took yeah. weeks. Weeks, yeah. challenges, you know, attacks. Like, it took a while. It, Today it would be very difficult. I'll be honest with you. If you tried to do the exact NWO beat for beat, it would be very difficult to pull off because people have no patience whatsoever. They'd be like, why is it? Imagine Brian Danielson trying to be like the NWO leader 2.0 of the modern age. They go in there like, why is Brian Danielson not wrestling? Those guys didn't wrestle for weeks. Yeah. They kept showing up and it's like cutting a promo here and they're interrupting matches, but they never, but they wouldn't wrestle anybody. Mm-hmm. until the time came and then you got the hogan thing and then all of a sudden the thing blows up but it's very difficult to put in 2021 good luck pulling that one off people don't have the patience they won't wait they'll just be like why isn't he doing a thing fair enough no. yeah it's true i get all right i'll give you that carlos i'll give yeah. you that it, it's gonna be very like i said i don't envy tony khan He's got a lot of people on the roster, a lot of very talented people on the roster. There's a million direct. He, he's almost. And you want to try? Choice. It's going to be hard to keep all those people happy. Oh, totally. And I guarantee there'll be some people who will want to go, and some, and probably like a Brian Cage or something like that may end up with WWE. <laughs> then maybe maybe he can be uh, maybe he can be the recipient of some spookiness. Ooh. It's like Brian Cage is now Papa Shango 2.0. Why? <laughs> Why? Why not? Yeah. As I say, as I look at my autographed Papa Shango drawing over here. Well, I referenced Papa Shango on my uh, live stream. Nice. Y'all, y'all missed it. It was great. It was great. You know, you know what I find interesting? Um, just randomly. Good. Uh, WWE 2K20, which we talk about because it's for a variety of reasons. And yeah. one day I'm going to make a list of everyone that's in the story and see whether they're still around. <laughs> but uh, Papa Shango is a playable character in that video game. None of Char- uh, none other of Charles Wright's characters are. 
Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, um, I will say, though, it's something we can keep an eye on. Let's let's continue to keep an eye on it and kind of see if they're able to plant any more seeds or develop anything else. My thought process is I think the women's division is actually I think it's simple, simplified right now uh, because I'll say they were trying to do the thing. I still think the Dark Order thing isn't quite done because it really not too much happened with it. I want to see what they go with you it. Definitely can make more of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, remember what I said a moment ago? Like the Dark Order thing's been going on for a while. But so then we're back to things. So do you want the resolution now? Do you want me to just snap my fingers and give you a resolution? Or do you want me to like... I think you. I think from what I've seen, I would like to see that more with that. It could be, yeah. But it. But you, that's why I said you're going to get different speeds. You're going to get some that are, you're going to get quicker resolution. You're going to get some that are going to be slower resolution. And you're some that are glacial pace. The MJF Wardlow one has been going on for over a year. It's glacial pace on that one. This other one is going slow. There's another one that's going faster. There's a, the MJF normal feuds. You're like, oh, but those are just a match or two. We're getting different speeds. It's literally what I just said. Yeah. So it's so I get it, but it, we'll we'll have to kind of let it. Unfortunately, WWE is trying to do the other side of it. That's why I gave the contrast. I go, well, you're getting lots of story. How's that working out for you? Exactly. Yeah. A bad story is worse than no story for me. <laughs> like at this point, it's like you know what? At least if you came up with something that's reasonable, I can go with you on this. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. But give me something I can work with. Don't give me resurrected demons that go out oh, my knee. That's fair. That that's not, that, that's not gonna work for me. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll see going forward. I'll be curious because right now we got we're into October, and uh, I think they're building up for the next big show is gonna be November. Uh, so that one's full gear. So you're gonna need to start filling out that card. Uh, one more point I'll make real quick because we touched on it briefly. Don't expect this is the ratings thing that I was talking about earlier. So I would say, don't expect ratings to do too much up or down. WWE has established a certain baseline. They could make a bad show for the next 50 straight weeks, and it's going to hover right around where it is. Mm-hmm. You'll hot shot a thing. Maybe you'll get a couple percentage points because going into the go-home show, SmackDown was down. Coming off the pay-per-view, which nothing really interesting happened, SmackDown was up. Then this past week, SmackDown was down. They're building towards a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. No one cared. They did the first day of the draft. The, you know, the draft. Ooh. What did that do for the ratings? Down. So what? So what's the difference? Who cares? Story. No story. Ratings up. Ratings down. It makes no difference. <laughs> Who shows up? Doesn't matter. It'll, it'll only affect things for a week or two. The CM Punk effect worked really well for the first show back because anticipation. Rampage is always going to get a lower rating because of the time slot. Um, and I can actually give you a quantifiable thing because I did a little research myself just to double check because Rampage is a 10 o'clock time slot. 10 o'clock yes. on Friday is the normal start time. When they did the two hour one, the second hour was 11 to midnight. Yep. Which isn't a great time for most people. Like you, you have kids. Is 11 p.m. on a Friday night sound good to you? Yeah, no. that's, a t- that's a tough go. That's what no, a PVR is for. I've seen 11 p.m. on a Friday night. Let's yeah, be but that's, a, that's what a PVR is for. Like, at best, that's what a PVR is for. Like you, Yeah, I watched, I watched that show the next day. Correct. In various and, intervals. And, when and I, I think a lot of folks are in that boat. That's, that second hour is tough. And it was also the fourth hour that that live crowd was there. So for energy-wise, they were obviously down compared to where they had been in the first half of the show live on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Second thing, when, when you see that, uh, and I'm going to give you tangible numbers. I do a live stream, right, on my channel, mm-hmm. where I start at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. Okay? Yeah. Do you, do you want to guess at what time? There's a 30-minute window. I, I've gone back six or seven weeks where it's been pretty consistent. 
I, there's a 30 minute window that is the height of live viewers that I get in a night. And that's been slowly increasing over time, but it's been pretty consistent the last you know two months. There's a 30 minute window between what time and what time do you think that my audience generally peaks its highest? Like 9.15, 9.45? Nope. When? Between 10.30 and 11. Interesting. That's approximately, now there's a little bit of oscillation, a couple of minutes here or there, but within that window, generally, now my audience actually stays pretty good for a while going in because we're just hanging out chatting and the chat likes to hang out and chat in there yeah. and i and i correspond with the chat so they're engaged in it a fair number of people do stick around this past week we did really well because people were engaged almost all the way through we did almost six hours <laughs> which is you know crazy but that half hour half hour window or so generally speaking is the peak funny enough that's the last half hour of the first hour of rampage by the way, if you do that, if you go back to that episode where the rating was a little disappointing, you were kind of mentioning it didn't move too much. That's the average between the two hours. The first hour was over 150,000 more than the second hour. Mm. Isn't that weird how it yeah. falls almost in precisely the time slot that I just said? More people are, are able to hang in there between 10 and 11. You, you can have it. It's still late. It's still a late start, but they, they can hang in with you about, until about 11 o'clock then you better give them, you know, the resurrection of Christ, because otherwise the rating's going to drop. And I'll be honest with you, they could give you the resurrection of Christ, and maybe they'd do a 1-5. And people would be like, but it's the resurrection of Christ! It's like, yeah, but it's kind of late on a Friday. Maybe they'll catch it on DVR. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's, I think that's a good point. Your point is well taken, Carlos. Yeah, there's a, there's a limit. WB has learned this. You can try all the gimmicks. You can try all the things. There's only so much you can do. We're in an era where people are not going to get moved by one, one thing. If you want to develop like momentum, it takes time. Uh, Dynamite and Rampage, they've actually moved the time slot a lot of different times because they've been experimenting. They're trying to find the best time and day to put it. They have a network partner that's willing to work with them on this. But here's the thing. The, the demographic they're looking at, they were number one or number two on the night. Right. So the rating was quote unquote low, but they had basically the highest demographic rating in the 18 to 35, 18 to 40. Yeah, which is really what they care about. It's what the advertisers care about. So if you're consistently producing for me number one in the night or number two in the night in the most important demographic, and I'm the network, and that's what I'm selling ad time for. We're good, bro. <laughs> the overall ratings number is a nice to have, but on a Friday night, don't expect too much, especially when it was a pre-tape show too. It was a pre-tape. Yeah. If you really wanted to know the results, you could have known it on Wednesday night. And they still got a decent rating. The rating didn't go super down from the previous week. For a pre-tape show where you could have known the results, on a two-hour show that's super late into a Friday night, where you could have gotten all the results, and they didn't pack their best stuff. They packed their best stuff on the Dynamite. They gave you some okay stuff on the Rampage, and the rating still held pretty solid. That actually yeah. sounds like a win to me. That's not bad. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I think they were more pleased than you might think. So it's one of those ways. But I say week to week. Don't worry about the ratings because they're because they're they can't book for rating because if they do that they'll fall into the wcw trap because nitro became big with the nwo angle and it became big by offering main event caliber that was eric bischoff's promotional tagline we'll give you you know pay-per-view quality matches on tv which sounds great and in 1996 1997 1998 we ate it up as fans watching but here's the problem if you give me pay-per-view quality matches on every single show on TV, week after week, for years. Is it special? No. 
The reason why WWF worked that model so long and Saturday Night's main event would draw huge monster. Back in the day in the 80s, Saturday Night's main event would draw 20 million viewers. 20 wow. million. Why? Because it was special. It was a super card. Hulk Hogan's actually facing someone who's not the Brooklyn Brawler or Repo Man? What? <laughs> <laughs> because they would face jobbers all the time. They'd face yeah. like, and then beat them in a minute and a half. And that's all, that's all you'd get on WWF Super. Go back to WWF Superstars. That's what you get. Yeah. When the Monday Night Raw initially, it was the same. So Raw ratings weren't that, weren't that hot. They were okay. But then Nitro showed up and said, we're going to give you Lex Luger and Sting in the main event. We're going to give you Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in the main event. And you're like, isn't that normally a pay-per-view match? Yes, it is. But you're getting it on Monday. Yeah. It was cool until, oh, this is the 30th time they've had this match. Yep, yep. Uh, not so special. Yeah, so I, I, they've, Tony Khan has to find that balance because we're in 2021. We don't have the patience anymore. You can't go and you, you can't be, uh, you know, Darby Allen versus Kenny Omega on every match. That ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to occasionally throw in a couple of those jobber matches. <laughs> you got to you got to mix it up. Give them some free wins against lower competition that's just learning. Uh, but less Julie Hart, uh, not until she learns how to wrestle a little more. All right. Bless her heart, but I need less Julie Hart on, on Dark and Elevation. She can have all the matches she wants. But I think I think they've kind of figured that out. I'm hoping, but I'm like, man, and Anna J and Anna J Anna J will be a star. But right now, she her wrestling's a little bit rough. She she's not had a good time since coming back. So they paired her with uh, Ty Conti, and I'm like, okay, look, I know I know you got two hot girls here. I get it, but Ty Conti has actually been really good. Like she's actually been on a really good run. Now she's gonna help because she, because they're friends. So that'll be, that'll be great. But it's like, oh, Anna J, it's like you're running in slow motion right now. You're, it's like no. <laughs> Not on the main show. No, no, no. Not not right now. But at least they're trying stuff. Like, I'm fine with it if you're trying stuff, but you're going to have to mix in some of those other elements. We'll see. Cool. Fair enough, Carlos. So there you go. Uh, so story's bad until further notice. We'll, 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 we'll let you know when the stories are okay. Right. So story's bad, but still we want more Supernatural and more dolls. Supernatural spooky stuff, Dave. Su- well, this because is a spooky season. It's October. Are you not? Are you not looking forward to Survivor Sillies? doll versus doll match did you say survivor sillies series which i agree <laughs> I, I, I gotta i gotta i gotta play back the audio on that because i heard sillies it could have been like, a Freudian slip i don't know you have to play the t- tape back and see i'm not sure look doll versus doll that would draw money it's like it was like what is this cgi don't put it past them bro what if that's what finally gets wb over the hump why did you do a four seven it was just it was, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Charlie versus Lily, right? There you go. Yeah. Charlie versus Lily, main event. They drew a 5-9. They haven't done that since somebody Monday Night Wars. It was like, are we really doing Dolph versus Doll now? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think they should do it, man. Book it, and we're out. WWE, you can have that for free. <laughs> Thank God they're not going to pay for it. <laughs> okay, so one more thing. I think that'll be it for today. All uh, right. One more thing before we wind it down. I did. Um, it was funny. I'll, I'll quickly reiterate for you on the live stream. Um, I did get a chance to say the speaking of the spooky season, uh, appropriately timed. Uh, so we had a guy on there, uh, Brad, uh, who um, who runs a card shop and does uh, you know PSA Canada. He actually does bulk submissions and stuff. Uh, great guy. A lot of great stories. He used to play junior hockey and stuff. He actually played junior hockey uh, with Eric Daze. Uh, okay. Now uh, you'll like this. So I'll give you two quick stories about this. Number All one. Right. Um, I'll see if I can find the spot on the live stream and I'll send you the link because you got to listen to the story. There is a story. There are two stories that he gave in there. One of them though involves 
Matthew Good, and Ric Flair. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. Okay, I'm in. Please send me that. Link. I'm not explaining anymore. That's all I'm saying to you. I will send you the clip. You can listen to it yourself. I will. And then to, because of the thing. Oh, and it involves bubbles from uh, Trailer Park Boys. Amazing. All in the same story. That is not a lie. That is, in fact, all true. That was the part of the story. But because of the bubbles thing, and apparently he's a big fan of Molson Canadian, which, of course, I think is swell. But, and I told him as much. Uh, I screen. agree. Bless him, but it's, it's just cool. But it did lead me to a good story about the spooky season. Because one of the things that back in the back in Guelph, and you know the story a little bit. So this is the expired Wellington story. Okay. You remember that one? I do. So it was, uh, so it was when I went to Dave and Charlie's place, the thing, and then, you know, Oaks tried to drink a cup of the expired Wellingtons. And I'm pretty sure I was there for that party at some point. It could be, yeah. But uh, my favorite part was, and where it still played into the story a little bit, was the, because the Molson and the Bubbles thing, the guy that Oaks stole beer from, was dressed as Bubbles. And the I beer he had was most immediate. I do remember that because he talked about that beer being stolen all night. Yes, exactly. And that was my point. But but I, but I it was funny because I said, it was like, well, actually, this story kind of plays in. So full circle. And then I explained it. And he was like, and he was like seriously? Yep. Guy dressed uh, like Bubbles with the most Canadian. And then Oak stole it. And I knew he had stolen it. And then I was so desperate for like beer. I was like, I'll, I'll accept the most Canadian at this point. So I just asked him, like, do you mind if I? He goes, of course you asked. You know, it's just some people don't have. I, I do. Like, I, remember, yeah. I remember that too. Uh-huh. I remember uh-huh. thing. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yep, I would. Yep, I remember that. And I just sit there and look at Oaks. So, so that was my contribution to the story because it didn't. But Matthew Goodman, we got Matthew Good, we got Dale Earnhardt, we got Ric Flair, and Bra. Bubbles, and Bubbles, bra. There's your CanCon for tonight, people. And that doesn't even count. And that doesn't even count the other story that may involve a Learjet. Ooh. It did right. involve a Learjet. Send me the link. Yep. So now you know. There you go. Y'all can look forward to that's part of the greater Carlos multiverse. <laughs> All this shit happens. What do you want from me? It is what it is. Anyway, so that's it for us this time around. We'll be back for episode 113. Uh, hopefully, uh, either some combination of AEW or WWE will give us some fun. Although it was fun making fun of their creative. Their creative was real bad. So it's just it like, did, look, spooky, spooky, scary stuff. Hey, October. Ooh. Expect more of it. Yeah, great. I'll, I'll come back in costume next week as someone who cares. Uh, so anyway, so that'll be it for us this time around. Uh, you can catch the audio version. Um, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, for whatever reason, I completely forgot. I got I got two in the moment. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. But anyway, the point is, uh, wherever you can get your podcast audio, great. Otherwise, Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast YouTube channel, where you can see the facial expressions that I had while I ran down this stupid this stupidity. Spooky, scary things are now bad. None of them work. Alexa Bliss needs to go back to Hogwarts. The demon needs to be shelved. Well, let's move on, and maybe Papa Shango needs to come back because that's apparently our only hope. All right, let's do it. Awesome. So that's it for us. We'll catch you in the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.